Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about the battle flag, the Confederate flag that our society has been debating for quite a while. Forgive me for being a bit late in this podcast and discussing this, but I have been uh, out of the country and on vacation, so I'm a little bit behind. Uh, But let me bring some perspective to this that I think will be helpful to us. Ever since Dylan Roof stepped into the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and shot nine people, Uh, we have been having a debate about the Confederate flag. The reason is that Dylan Roof was seen on Facebook pictures and on his website and photos, literally wrapped in that flag. He expressed the the murders that he committed as an expression of the values of that flag. Uh, He tended to take sanction and strength and motivation from that flag. And of course, that raised the debate again. Since that time, uh, South Carolina has uh, decided to remove the flag Uh, from its state grounds. Alabama has followed suit, and we've been having a big discussion about the Confederate flag. The fact is that uh, we Americans uh, love our history, allude to our history a great deal, but we don't know um, um, as much as we ought to about our history. And so it infuses symbols like this flag uh, with meaning that may not be 100% accurate. Now, I'll tell you my conclusion about the flag and removing it from state grounds and uh, government facilities and so on here in a minute. But let me first delve into just a little bit of history. You know, the reality is that the Confederate flag Uh, was, of course, a symbol of the Confederacy. And the Confederacy uh, during the American Civil War was pro-slavery. No question about it, no avoiding it. But that's not all the flag symbolized. And we just need to know it, even as it's uh, sort of passing from the scene here a little bit. Um, The reality is that many of the leaders in the Confederacy were actually anti-slavery, um, there's, there's just no question about it. Robert E. Lee uh, was not a man who believed in slavery and was not a man who uh, owned slaves. Uh, Stonewall Jackson, perhaps the greatest general of the Confederacy, um, also uh, was opposed to slavery, did not own slaves, and in fact ran a school for uh, slave children. Uh, I can name a number of others. Uh, and so there's no question that, that the Confederacy advocated for slavery, Um, But that's not all that it was about. In fact, the main issue that it contended for, uh, the main issue that it argued for uh, was states' rights. Uh, The reality is that our country, unfortunately, was founded uh, at a time when slavery was practiced and our Constitution uh, helped somewhat to institutionalize slavery. Uh, there was there was a, an attempt to remove slavery from our national life at the time of the revolution, at the time of the Declaration of the Constitution, but uh, it wasn't successful. And so uh, that battle, that that uh, contest, that decision uh, would have to wait for decades later. Uh, so our country was founded with an acceptance of slavery built into it. Uh, the South, uh, of course, being more agricultural, more agrarian practiced slavery more so than did the North, although there absolutely was slavery uh, in Northern states uh, and certainly no respect for blacks. Uh, There was a a riot about the draft uh, in New York and hundreds of blacks were killed. Uh, So there wasn't respect for the black uh, people as a whole in the North as opposed to the South. Um, But the reality is 
uh, that states' rights was more the issue. The South simply said, look, we founded this country with an acceptance of slavery, um, and you don't have the right to suddenly uh, change your views and essentially uh, force the South, uh, force any state to change the the laws or to change the practices that were accepted at its founding, uh, as much as, by the way, those of us today are opposed, of course, to slavery. So it's just important for us to know uh, that the Confederacy was not exclusively about slavery, and uh, it, it had the better constitutional case. Now, of course, uh, it was immoral for our country to um, incorporate slavery into its national life, to not deal with it more directly. Uh, Congress made some attempts to deal with it. In 1806, for example, Congress banned the slave trade. It didn't do much good. Um, so we ended up with 4 million slaves around the time of the American Civil War. And the Confederacy held that, um, frankly, their view, many of them, was that the slavery was dying out. Already many slaves were being paid to work. Um, and this, the South argued, the Confederacy argued that, uh, they ought to be allowed to deal with this in their own way and in their own time. And the federal government did not have the authority, uh, to insist upon such a radical change, uh, when it was in fact constitutional. So the, the, the Confederate flag has continued down through our history to represent, uh, both a pro-slavery cause and for those who understood a little bit better what was going on in the war, uh, the Confederate flag also represented the battle for states' rights. Uh, it also represented uh, perhaps a more conservatively uh, Christian culture. Please don't think that I'm meaning that about slavery. I simply mean that um, the churches in the, in the, in the South were uh, more theologically conservative. In the North, there was more uh, theological liberalism. Now, all of this is just by way of background. Uh, the reality is that I believe that we do, in fact, need to remove the Confederate flag uh, from state and federal grounds. It is a symbol of slavery and oppression to uh, 50 million um, African Americans in this country. And I think that if any other symbol uh, represented to as many people the kind of oppression and loss and tragedy that the Confederate flag does to African Americans and others in this country. Uh, I think that we would probably have removed it. Uh, let's let's just imagine for a moment that I'm I'm, I'm a Hindu. Uh, many of you know that the swastika, the Nazi symbol, uh, was originally a Hindu symbol. So let's say that I'm a Hindu in America and I want to display the swastika as a Hindu symbol. Well, what I have to realize is that the swastika uh, is horribly offensive uh, to the Jews in America. Now, the Jews in America are not by far the majority. They're about, they're about 2% of the population. Nevertheless, I think it would be proper, it would be correct, it would be um, well-mannered, it would be American uh, for me as a Hindu not to display the swastika on my car, on the front of my house, uh, waving uh, in my front yard um, because of the offense it would be to American Jews. This is how I feel about the Confederate flag. Now, I think that individuals ought to be allowed, of course, to display it in whatever way they want. Put it on their pickups, put it in their front yards, fly it from flagpoles in their backyards, their front yards, put it on their house, tattoo it on their arms, do whatever they want. It's an individual choice, and it might be offensive to African Americans, but private individuals have the right to do as they wish. The issue that we've been dealing with is should that flag be flown proudly in, on state and federal grounds? And I do not believe 
that it ought to be. Now, having said all of that, uh, let me say that I'm very glad that these decisions have been made about the Confederate flag because I think they mask the larger issue. Almost as soon as Dylan Roof shot those people in that African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, we immediately began talking about the flag as though that was the primary issue. It's not. The main issue is how did Dylan Roof, by all accounts, a middle class white kid in America who had been denied nothing by African-Americans, as far as anyone can tell, how did he become such a thoroughgoing murderous racist? That's the issue we ought to be talking about. That's what ought to be front and center. So I'm glad that the various states have made their decisions about the Confederate flag, and I'm sure Congress will make some decisions, and there will be other, uh, other states that will maybe follow suit, and some flags will be modified and what have you. Fine. Uh, states should decide these issues as they wish. Federal government should decide only about federal property, and we should move on. But what I'm eager for us to get back to is the issue of Dylan Roof, is the issue of the undercurrent of racism in our society and is the issue of trying to deal with that racism and understand how someone like Dylan Roof could be produced in our modern society. That's the issue. And for a middle-class white kid to become an absolute hate-spouting, murderous racist um, is something that we ought to look at. We ought to understand what the influences upon him were. We ought to look at the subculture of racism in our society. We ought to analyze the lies that he believed about black men raping white women and about uh, blacks taking privileges from whites or anyone else um, and, about, uh, and, and about the whole issue of blacks somehow uh, diminishing this country and needing to be driven out or murdered. I mean, these are asinine statements and asinine beliefs, but this is what this young man believed. And that's what we ought to be looking at. We ought to be analyzing everything from our humor and our jokes uh, all the way to the kind of values that we believe, the way we teach our children, what's taught in school. We don't need some dramatic pendulum swing and overreaction, but we definitely need to stop talking about this dang flag and get on to the issue of dealing with hearts and minds. That's what the Dylan Roof issue and situation in upcoming trial ought to be moving us to do. Let's get on with it. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook, and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.